some of you might have already tuned out, but don't, because this is the crux. This is the this is the point of the Holy Spirit message. It's not just to give you some knowledge, um, but it's to tell you what to do with that knowledge about the Holy Spirit. Um, I hope that this series has been good for you. I hope it's been educational. Uh, it's been because this this series isn't just to say that we know. Um, put it in our back pocket. The the Holy Spirit, which we'll be talking about here in a minute, is designed for you. It's designed for all of us. So um, as we as we get started today, and as we work through what it means to bear fruit and spirit, uh, I just want us to think about how the Holy Spirit impacts our lives. Um, I've been thinking that about that a lot lately, just in terms of like what I would do without the Spirit. I read like, um, and I and I look at is that um, David or Moses interacted with God, and I think like, man, what if like we didn't have the about that? I can just read what happened. There's moments in the where where is like, hey Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit, and it's like, oh yeah, they didn't have the promises we had, and so don't. Please don't take this for granted. I do it all the time where I read stuff about the Holy Spirit and I'm like, oh, that's cool. No, God himself put his spirit in you. And that spirit we're going to talk about today helps you bear fruit. It helps you different um, qualities in your life, if you will. And that's nothing short of miraculous and amazing. Um, So as we get started today, uh, we're going to pray real quick and we'll just... We'll just get into it. How about that? Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, this group of people. Um, God, they're, they're so fun to be around. God, they're giving us uh, this church. Is who them and, and vice versa. Everyone here can say the same thing. And Lord, I, I take this place for granted sometimes, but it's good. And God, I just pray that as we come and as we get in your word, um, Lord, I just pray it's, I pray it's um, edifying. God, I pray it's not just knowledge, but that it, it, it hits the root. Um, yeah, Lord, would you just be glorified in this time? Would you speak through me? Um, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I say all that to say this. We're going to start with the key point <laughs> right away, uh, which can either be a good move or a bad move. We'll see. Key point number one, uh, the root of the Spirit is a result. The blinks aren't outlined on this one. I apologize in advance. But the fruit of the Spirit is a direct leading in our talk in here in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to know that this is a direct result of everything that's been preached, taught about, understood, everything that the teaches, guides, and leads, and directs, and empowers, and comforts is all can bear fruit in your life but with the characteristics that we mentioned, but also actual fruit. Not just, not just the patience and the joy that we're talking about, but God also does all this stuff so that you can literally make disciples. That's, why we're, that's what this is all about. So, um, yeah, so this is, the, this is the practical application. If you're, if you're looking at it, since it made sense, 
don't know how this is going to um, shake life. Well, know that God's working all of those things for this, the, the fruit to actually be bore in your life, if you will. Um, when, I was, when I was prepping for this message, I typed in bear fruit, and I was trying to look for a theme like this PowerPoint slide. It up a bunch of bears in like the, the theme section. So now instead of reading it as bear fruit, I read it as bear fruit. And I can't like unsee it now. It's a really dumb. There was a bear with like a word bubble right there. And I, and I was like, instead of fish, I'll just do a bear. And we'll just have different wildlife sections. It didn't make it. Let's just say that. It wasn't as cool as I thought. But there was one with a polar bear running. And it was, it was actually going to be pretty cool. But I didn't do it this time. Do you guys want to see a player running on one of my PowerPoints next time? Heck yeah. Okay. This boring old office presentation. Tell you about some medication you guys don't care about or something. All right. So, and here is how, that's what we're going to be talking about today is how do we bear fruit? And I think that's fruit of the Spirit is how actually fruit is born in our life. Again, both the fruit of disciples, but the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be talking about um, and the, the characteristics and the qualities that are listed here in Galatians chapter 5. So, in order to understand how we bear fruit, we need to understand that only disciples bear fruit. This isn't in your slide, but this is important. Only people who actually are saved and following the Lord Jesus Christ with their life will bear fruit. Okay? And so we have to go to where Jesus actually talks to his disciples. John chapter 15, verses 1, two, 1 through 5. He's talking to the 12. And right before this moment, in John chapter 14, he's talking about the cost of discipleship. And he has them count the cost. And he, he's, he's going through this, um, well, we talked about it, their persecution that they're going to go through. right? And he gets to John chapter 15. If you get through the hard part, if the Holy Spirit can keep you and the word of God can keep you sustained and you get through that part that 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 terrible part in your life and you get to John 15 here is what Jesus is telling his disciples John 15:1 I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman and every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth Branches, he that abideth in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without what I want to do is I want to look at what Jesus is saying here, because he's talking to the twelve of the closest people in his life at this moment, in his earthly ministry. These are the people, this is like I don't know, like a pastor's meeting. This is like the important part, right? Where they're sitting down. And, and Jesus is just teaching them. He's casting vision for what the life is going to be like with him. And he says, I am the true vine. Um, Dylan, can you go to the next slide real quick? So this is what we're talking about. We're talking about vines. We're talking about vineyards. You probably farm, and that's okay. Most of you probably don't um, work in a vineyard, and that's okay too. So we'll go through... Um, this and, I, and I'll explain this to you because what he's saying is he is the vine. Is if you literally always Jesus, 
right? Um, and what the answer for who is the vine, it's going to be us, yes. Okay, and what he's saying is all the stuff that you will do in as will be revolved around me, Jesus, because he is the very beginning. Now, if you don't know, the, the vine gives root. It gives um, nutrition. It gives the substance needs. Without the vine, the fruit is nothing. It literally means nothing. So as, so as we, as saved believers in Jesus Christ, we're nothing without Christ. So if, if you want to live your life with the idea that I want my life to count for something, it has to be rooted in Jesus. Your sustenance has to be in Jesus. My sustenance has to be in Jesus. Or else it's not going to matter in the end. Sure, I'm saved. But like, what am I doing with my life? You know? So, what he's saying is, is I am the true vine. That's verse 1. And then he says, and my father is the husbandman. So the husbandman is basically just, is an old English way of saying gardener. He prunes these, these, these thorns that are in the way and he, he makes sure that all and the branches that, they, that don't do anything, he, he cuts those away. Why? Because good growth is important to the Father. And bearing fruit requires that good growth happens. And so, so my point is in all of this is when we talk about bearing fruit, there's no s- special secret, Right? the faith for 30, 40, 50 years, they don't really have special simple. Jesus tells you right here, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman, and then he says that he purges the ones that aren't good, and then he brings forth the fruit, the ones that are good. You're clean, verse 3, through the word which he's spoken to you, and then here it is, verse 4, abide in me and I in you. (coughs) That's it. If you want to know the overall arching secret, quote-unquote secret, so following the Lord Jesus Christ is literally abiding in Him. That's, that's it. That's what disciples are doing right now. They're sitting and they're listening. They're at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is opening His... If you remember, Jesus is the Word. So the Word of God is preached. And they're just sitting there. I don't have this in your slide, but the word abide in verse 4 is also translated as the word continue. Right? So Colossians chapter 4, it talks about how you need to continue in prayer and in thanksgiving. That's where we're at. The, the Word of God is... ...matters is that it's not just an action. Abiding is a state of being. That's where we're at here. So, so Jesus is saying... Abide in me and I in you. We already talked about that. The Spirit of God is in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. So, again, Brock's going to talk about quiet time here. Where's your quiet time at? Routine life. What's your daily? I, I don't know what your answer should be other than I meet with the Lord every day. I hope. Right now I'm in First Timothy. And I'm reading through what it's like to... First Timothy. Because the theme of First Timothy is how to behave in the church of God. And I know some of you are like, oof. But my point 
is, is that God worked, works in my life every day through the book of 1 Timothy at this moment. And I get up, and I pray, and I read God's Word, and I write stuff in my journal, and at the end, I recap what God has taught me. It's not... I'm not super big brain for figuring this out. It's very simple things. And that's how we abide in Christ. It's not just being in church every Sunday and every Tuesday. It's deciding that I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to meet with the Lord. Before my flesh has any... My flesh gets to eat food or, or anything else. Gets to watch TV, gets to talk, whatever it is. God gets my best. God gets my brain. God gets my heart. Everything. And I'm just going to sit at his feet. I'm going to abide there. And I'm not going to ask him for anything except for what I need to know today. And what I need to learn. Because that's what being a disciple is. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um... This only happens as a functional walk with a believer, uh, with a believer in Jesus Christ, and by walking in the Spirit. Okay, so our second key point is this: the root in our life when we yield ourselves to it. The Spirit fruit in our life when we yield ourselves to it. The Spirit bears fruit in our life when we yield ourselves to it. The Spirit can give us these fruits, these fruit, uh, whenever we yield to it our very will and our desires. I want you to look at Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Six, about sin and grace, and he's, he's saying, What then? Shall we sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. And he's different teachings of sin. To Romans chapter 6, verse 11 after going through basically the what's bad about sin, and he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That's what we do. It continues on in verse 17. I won't, I won't mention, I'll just allude to it, but... He talks about who ye yourselves, that's who you're servant to. Whether it's or or righteousness unto God. Like who you decide to yield yourself to is who you serve. Okay? And so do you serve God and His Spirit and His will and His desires or do you serve yourself? And listen, that can sound like a condemnatory statement. I don't mean that as, a con- as condemnation. I mean that as honesty. I just mean that as, as a simple truth. Imagine if you were... Um, I think about it like... Some of you guys know I'm a paramedic and I'm going to nursing school. and So most of, my, most of anything that I think about is medical stuff. Imagine if you were really dizzy, right? All the time. And you were... You were Growing up and all this stuff. Well, but you're not going to. I'm not going to tell you. You would be like, what the heck? What are you? Why are you even a doctor then if you're not going to help people? Well, that's what we feel like as youth leaders sometimes. Is is there's things that the Word of God specifically says, 
And we tell you guys that. Not because we want to, to make fun of you or shame you or anything like that. The reason we do that is because we want you to get better. We want you to know that, hey, there's something going wrong and we can help you fix it. The Word of God has every remedy for it. And honestly, most of what people struggle with, especially as new believers in Jesus Christ, is just yielding themselves to God. They don't, they don't want to. And it's hard. I struggle with yielding myself to God all the time. Lauren hears about it, I talk about it. Am I yielding this? Am I doing this right? It's like, man, how about I just abide in the Lord and let Him figure it all out for me? And how about we all do the same? How about we just sit at the feet of Jesus and saying, God, anything that I don't have yielded to you, what? I'm going to yield that to you. Because my life will be worthless if I don't, if I don't yield everything to Him. I'm going to miss out on what He has for me. So, um, let's go to Galatians chapter 5 real quick. We will be uh, all up on the board, because I'm just going to talk about it for a moment. But, uh, talking about liberty... And he says that liberty is designed to choose to serve God. Okay, and so he gets to Galatians chapter 5. Wow. I haven't turned in the physical Bible in a while. Maybe I should figure that out. Okay, so he gets to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking in verse 16. And this is an admonition that he has. And he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He's like, okay, Brock, you mentioned that. I get it. Well, my point is, talking about that, this is, this is what we need to talk about. This is what we need to be looking at. Because, why is that? Well, verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. What Paul is saying here is that this, internal struggle between the lust and the flesh is always, I'm sorry, the flesh and the spirit is always going to be happening, right? Now look in verse 19, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Um, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, drunkenness, revelings. I don't want you to raise your hand, but... Did any of you guys see yourself in somewhere in there? Like, I don't think you guys are murderers, but, I mean, envyings? Like, I've found myself in that place. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions. Do you guys recognize yourself in there? I do. I, I, sometimes I look at that and I'm like, oh, I don't want to read this list today. Because my flesh doesn't want to be called out ever. My flesh likes to hide and be in the corners and doesn't like to be shined on with a light. But the Word of God is exactly that. It's a light. Now, why does Paul mention this before we get to the fruits of the Spirit? Well, it's important because you need to know what the flesh looks like. You need to know what the Word of God actually calls the flesh and the works of it. And you have to die to those works before you can ever bear fruit in your life. We have to die to those things in our life before we can ever bear fruit. If not, adding good things, but you're never ever taking out the bad things. 
So how do we do that? Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says this, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. That's it. You take off the old ones. Did I mess up on the slides? Oh, there we go. Okay. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. That's how we get rid of the works of the flesh. We take off the old man, and we put on the new man. Every single day. Dell described it like this. I was in D2. He was like, put off the old man, you put on the new man. He said, putting on the old man is like going to the gym, getting really sweaty, taking, taking your workout clothes, and shower, and come back out and putting your workout clothes right back on. Right, exactly. Because the words, they're smelly, they're gross, and they're not for you anymore. That is full of literal sweat. And it's not for you. So why would you put on the old man again? Why would you, why would you do that? Why would Christ save you and die for you and bleed out for you and then you say... I don't want the new back to the clothes and I'm going to put the old man back on because it, it, it fits my agenda today. It fits what I want to do today. It doesn't make any sense, but yet we do it all the time. And then we wonder because you look up and you're like, oh, am I in the spirit? Am I actually doing the things that God has called me to do? I'm saved. I know that. I'm seated in heavenly places. I know that. But I haven't told my in a while. I haven't told anyone about Jesus in a few years. We have no business as new creatures in Christ to put on the works of the flesh. So, what do we put on? Well, the new man. So let's look at what the fruit of the Spirit actually says. Verse 22, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But, so whenever you see that word but, that's important. Because it's changing the tone of what the message, or what the, of the paragraph is. So the works of the flesh are this. But, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Man, that sounds so much better, right? Than the first list. So uh, there's a couple things I want to note here because I think this is important. Paul's admonition to walk in the Spirit um, has to precede this. Again, the Spirit Being led of the Spirit is a requirement. Um, and all of the fruit... Okay, so, so what I want to note is this. Fruits. fruits. Why? Well, because all of these at the same time. They're not. Um, if you're walking in the Spirit, if God's Word is, is guiding you, right? This right here, these things actually to you. If you are walking in the Spirit, they will apply to you. Right? Because the Spirit doesn't know 
flesh. The Spirit doesn't know about adultery and, and fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. It doesn't know that. But the fruit always points you directly to God and will always give you the things of God love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness. But I want you to know that available to you right now. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is always available. It may not be manifest right away, but it doesn't mean you don't have it. And as we look at these, um, the fruit, all nine of them that are up here, I just want you to know that this is what God has given you in order for you to get along in life. So when you're going through hardship, right, when, when, when trials hit your way and you're walking in the Spirit, you're, you're Job, right? And Job is a man after, who, who loved God, right? And he, he eschewed He did everything God asked him to do and he obeyed. Things still went wrong in Job's life. How do you think Job all 42 chapters without cursing God? I think it's because Job's so great. No, it's because God was walking with him the whole time. So whenever you're going As faith, you can have count all joy, my brothers, when you when you enter diverse temptations. I want to mention is that the fruit listed here isn't just an action. You you choose to love someone. You choose to have joy. But also, these are states of being. These aren't just one-time things. If you're walking in the Spirit and you're like, oh, I, I love somebody today. That's it. I only have one love. And I was joyful for a minute. Now I have one joy. So I hope I'll be soon. No, it's like this is, this is where you can be all time of walking in the Spirit. Okay, so let's look at the actual fruit. The first one's love. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also, also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Okay, so be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Um, as Christ has loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You guys should study out what the phrase sweet-smelling savor means. Um, has to do with worship. It's a pretty big ask if you understood, if some of you understand what that wording means. But I, but I want you to notice here that this is what the Bible is saying. You're going to be a follower of God. It's admonishing you to be a follower of God as dear children. Children don't, they just follow what their parents do if they're obedient. Right? And they walk, and we walk in love. Again, walk, state of being. It's not just an action, it's a lifestyle. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're walking in love. So if you're quarreling with people all the time, 
if you're against people all the time? It's not walking in the spirit. We ought to check that. The love that the Bible is calling us to is not just an emotion that fades away, but a state of loving those who need Christ's love. There are some people at your schools, at our workplaces, that are really hard to love. There are some people I see and I literally want to walk the other way. I hate to say that, but I do. They just, you know that person that literally you just don't want to be around? Because like, that guy is a wet blanket. He's always complaining, he's always murmuring, he's always this way, and, and nothing matters except for what he says. There are a couple like that in my work, actually. It's not great. And I don't know about you, but I have absolutely no capacity to love people in my flesh. I have capacity to love myself because that's what the flesh is good at. But there are people in our schools and our workplaces and just at the grocery store and everywhere who really need love. They need Christ's love. And you know what? We have to be walking in the Spirit. We have to be abiding in Christ to give them that love. Because if not, you would never sacrifice yourself. Not literally, but you would never die to self to love someone else and share the gospel with them. No way. Christ did. And that's what we're called to do. Alright, joy. What I want to make note is this also, I'm, and this isn't exhaustive, this is a couple verses. I can't, I don't have time to go into all of these. Or come talk to me or, or any of the adults here and we can do that. Or study on the that we wanting to know as it is to come talk to us. So, and you can understand the meaning of words, definitions, and, and cross-references and stuff like that. And I encourage you guys to. Fruit is chapter 15, verse 13. God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What I've noticed, I, I, I notice these a lot, is um, a lot of times when cross you look through cross-references and you th- see things like love, joy, and peace, grace, mercy, they're all together. They're almost in the same sense. That word hope, they're all important. They're, they're together. Well, because the Spirit just doesn't give one fruit. We talked about that. The Spirit gives multiple fruits. So God can fill you not only with all joy, but He can fill you with all peace and believing too. And by the way, you get hope thrown in there. And maybe the Holy Ghost, which isn't bad either. We exhibit a state of joy when we are filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and letting God's Word have its perfect peace in us. Number three is peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. This isn't just like world peace, like what people want, where it's like no one's fighting. Peace is an internal state of being where you are, you're good. Everything's fine. 
regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation I'm in, I'm at peace. This is, this is what it requires Paul to be at right before he's going to go get his head lopped off. Jeff went through that before when we were talking about the comforting the Holy Spirit. Right? All the ways that people were, were martyred for their faith. You think they do that without having peace of the Holy Ghost with them? No. promise you they don't. Uh, we model peace when we place our trust in Christ to help us in our most troubling times. This reminds me of this. Uh, it's not on the board, but Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27 it's, it's the one where they're in the middle of the storm, right? And when it says, And when, G, when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. That's Jesus. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Oh, it is on the board. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Is this even the winds and the sea obey him? Now there isn't an example of peace in there. In fact, his disciples, who had seen him do so much up to this point in time, were, were fearful. They were worried. They were discouraged. And I get it. Storm at all times, it will always be scary. Jesus is like asleep. I don't quite get why he's asleep in the boat, but he is. Um, It says that his disciples, okay, the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Okay, if God's asleep, just trust that this isn't going to be anything big, right? If he's still just, he's not worried, which God's actually never worried, um, we shouldn't be worried. Save us. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye little I don't know if you get that word rebuke or not, but that's not just like stop the wind. Rebuke the wind. If you get rebuked, what happens? Anyone? Jesus. No, if you get rebuked, who are you talking to? You get like a you should know better type situation. Like, for the idea, you, you should study that word out. Natural part. Won't put it up. Psalm 106 talks about how God rebuked the Red Sea because it was in the way of the Jews as they were leaving Egypt. Because it was in His way. God took a higher body of water and just rebuked it because it was in way of his plans. What kind of God do we serve? Jesus. Jesus, the most powerful, just the absolute best. And so when you look at this and you say things like, man, the hard time that can literally stop the winds at any point in time. Just know that you follow a God your situation with a thought. He didn't even have to snap his fingers. It's not that hard for him. It's not hard at all. Because he's God. And so when you're in the moment, 
us out. So tore up because you didn't get. Jesus Christ, it's not just one thing, multiple things. Job didn't just lose his kids, he lost all his substance, what the Bible says. When it rains, it pours, and it feels like, and we're easy to despair. But your God rebukes the winds and the seas, and He can give you all peace. At least that's what my Bible tells me. Okay. Mentioned a whole bunch. Um, but I'll just give you the first part of the, of the first mention of long-suffering. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. Just the first part. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. You've heard it probably said before, that when we, when we show long, we suffer long, right? Long-suffering isn't patience. Other versions will translate this as patience. It's not just patience. Patience, it would be just a word, but words have meaning. Long-suffering is to be patient to the point that it actually could cause you harm. And that's important to know. For a long time. Can't do that. No. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I hate, oh, I hate suffering. Who likes suffering? But sometimes I get annoyed when, the, when, when like, the Internet's not working. It's such a first world problem. It's like the <laughs> most first world problem when I was thinking about this, the internet wasn't working. Like, I have the best wife. I have food in my belly. I have the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And I'm worried about the internet. It wasn't even doing anything important. It's not like I was in the middle of a business call or, or whatever. I wasn't even doing anything important. Don't do that. Practical jokers it will burn at the judgment seat. It's not. It's not worth it. I'm gonna go with the internet. I'm trying to do something like, oh, I don't know, love my wife, or I don't know, love my family, or I don't know, preach the gospel to someone who doesn't like me, or who rejects me. There's no way. There's no way. But the Spirit of God says you can suffer long. Is it bears that fruit? Maybe some to Christ. I've heard stories of people literally for three, four, five years before they got saved. You're going to be prone to despair, but God, God can give you all the patience and long suffering that you need. Gentleness. Uh, this is actually the only time the word gentleness is mentioned, um, but the word gentle is mentioned a couple of times. So, Thessalonians chapter 7 says, But we were 
say that. They're going to fail God. But they're not going to meet your expectations. And that's okay. How you respond, though, when you're investing in someone is extremely important. If you hit them with condemnation all the time, they're not going to they're not going to love you. They're not going to listen to you. Your little brother, your little sister, if you just torch them all the time every time they do something wrong, you're not going to have their heart. They may do what you say. They may agree with you. But when you guys become parents, when you guys become spouses, when, when all that stuff happens, and I hope it does, um, you've got to be gentle with people. And, and you think right now, I can be gentle. Is there a Kleenex or anything like that? Give me a paper towel. You have... Dude, thanks. The best. When you have somebody in your life that you're investing in, that you need... Gross. Alright. Um, you have to be gentle to them. And like the fourth or fifth time that they do something that you don't like, your flesh is not going to want to be gentle anymore. God can be gentle, though. God's extremely gentle with us. He's, he, he has wrath. He has anger. The Bible says that. But also, God's really gentle to us, even when we're not gentle to ourselves. Goodness is only mentioned a few times as well. I'll give you the first mention. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. Context for this. This is right after the golden calf in, in the wilderness. Right? And originally God says He's going to destroy them and Moses intercedes, picturing Jesus Christ. And He gets to this point in Exodus chapter 33 where He talks about how He's going to put His goodness in front of Moses. And He says, And He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Goodness is normally defined as favor shown. That's what goodness is defined as a lot of times. Goodness is also an intrinsic character similar to kindness. These all, these all are tandem. These all are interwoven. It's similar to gentleness, but it's not the exact same thing. Uh, if you're steeped in goodness, then you're also rich in mercy and in kindness. Alright, faith. We're almost done. Faith. There's a lot of mentions of faith, but this one, this one struck me. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith. He just gets done talking about, in, in Romans chapter 4, about Abraham being justified by faith. Right? And he says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. Faith and then peace through Jesus. Faith is the foundation from which we all believed. And faith also the pursuing the Lord and His work. The thing that brings you in is the thing that keeps you there. And that only happens from the Spirit. I won't go into it, but Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 tells us that we live by the faith of the Son of God. That's it. It's not even your faith that sustains you. It's actually Jesus' faith that He gives you. Right? Again, other translations will say by, but it's of. The Spirit has to give you faith in times when you were faithless. 
which sometimes a lot like me personally. All right, meekness. Matthew um, chapter 11, verse 29 says, Look upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Meekness is similar to humility. Um, I heard it once described, I can't remember who said it, but that meekness was strength restrained. So meekness isn't weakness. That's what people confuse a lot of times. And you'll see this a lot of times, especially with Christians in a, in a non-Christian setting, is if they, if they defer something or if they decide not to, like, oh, okay, okay, so someone um, makes or, or nail this person right here. I can make him look silly. But I'm not going to. Well, that's meekness. It's restraint. It's a few other things. But meekness is not that I'm I'm okay. Moses was considered to be was written in the book of Numbers as the meekest man on the earth. Moses was really strong. In fact, again we won't we won't go there. Moses said that his strength did in the hundred years that he lived. It says his eyes didn't dim. Moses lived by faith. He was a friend of God and he was extremely meek and God actually sustained his strength all the way until life. And that's what he can do for all of us. Uh, consider this verse. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Um, meekness will be required more as you mature in the knowledge of faith of Christ. Let me say that again. Meekness will be required more as you mature in the knowledge and faith of Christ. It takes a man that's smart but doesn't tell everyone how smart he is and a man that, that's good at a lot of things but doesn't show off at how good he is is meek. And that's, that's a man, I think of like a guy like Mark Trotter who was like super meek. He was like one of the smartest Bible teachers I ever met and yet would just listen to people all day long. Didn't give them counsel unless they wanted counsel. Like he just was there and he just listened to people. People line up. He was one of those people who lined up to talk to Mark Trotter after he got done preaching one of those amazing messages that we all heard at All Church Retreat and Mission Focus. Like, he probably has a verse for everything. You counsel, kind of just stays on your heart. But he doesn't drill people. He didn't drill people with the Bible all the time because sometimes he knew that all they needed was prayer. And as you start investing, as the Bible study starts in the high school Bible study, maybe you guys start a Bible study somewhere else, like Will and Joel did in Lee Summit. And you start growing in your faith and you got some verses and you're real smart and I don't I don't take that from you and you start having people come up to you and asking you counsel and stuff like that meekness will be required because there'll be times where you have to be gentle and there'll be times where also you have to be meek last one temperance is actually only mentioned four times in the Bible as the word temperance there's temperance um, things like that. But the word temperance is only mentioned four times, and it's mentioned here twice. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 6. So, um, Peter's talking about all the stuff that you need to add. Add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and the knowledge. 
temperance, into temperance, patience, into patience, godliness. Why would you add temperance to knowledge? Well, temperance is self-control. That's what temperance is. There we go. It is self-control. You can have a lot of zeal for the Lord, but if it's not tempered, if it doesn't involve temperance, well, you're going to really get messed up. And again, knowledge. You could really hurt someone. We have a sword. I've said that a few times now. We have a sword, but unless the Spirit of God actually teaches you how to wield that sword, you can really hurt people. And you can lead people astray. And you can tell people stuff is sin when it's not sin. Because you don't know how to divide your Bible. That stuff happens all the time. The legalists down the street do it all the time. I'm just saying in general, I don't, I don't know if there's a church down the street or not, but I'm not calling it down the street. I'm saying that legalists do it all the time, and they say things like, your hair has to be a certain length, your jeans, and if you're not, you're saying And that's it's not true. If you don't obey the dress code, that's not a sin. Right. And so here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. Temperance is extremely important in your life and in our life to make sure that we stay within bounds. That zeal and knowledge and, and faith is tempered appropriately. Okay, so, so that's all the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, sorry. But, but here's where we drive it home, okay? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So to of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Okay, so so the question I have today are this. So we've gone through this whole series. Message learned a lot about the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God has taught you so many things. Right, like the Spirit of God teaches, the Spirit of God comforts, the Spirit of God guides and empowers. It seals you. All those things are great. But if you go away with anything from this series, anything from this message, it, it should be and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let the Spirit do all of those works in you. And all you got to do is decide, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to abide with Christ and I'm going to walk. And God's going to bear fruit in my life. And if it's good... Sorry. And he's going to do whatever he wants. Even if it's if it seems bad to me. Even if God's got to prune things out of my life. I'm just going to say, God, you can do whatever you want. That's where we're at. Because whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So if you want to sow to the flesh, and I wish you did. I can't stop you. Don't say, but I beg you not to just run out of this church because you want to sow to the flesh. You don't have to be the prodigal son. You don't have to be the one that goes out and returns later naked and ashamed. You don't have to be that. You can sow to the Spirit the rest of your life if you so choose. But if you sow to the flesh, just know that's where life is. So the, my concluding question is this. What is the fruit of your life? I thought that was bolded, my bad. Uh, 
You might have to zoom with your binoculars. But that question in your life. Are you are you noticing those works of the flesh? Hope none of you have murdered, but I mean there's envyings. There's other things on there that aren't quote unquote the big sins, but they're still sins. Do you look at your life and you say, hmm, I've done the calculations and it's not very good. It's not very godly. Or, do you look and you say, okay, I'm not perfect, but yeah, I see those things. I see the love of God. I see joy. I see peace. Well, man, praise God, keep selling that. Don't end. Don't say, okay, I'm good. I've done my thing. And then just check out. What is the fruit of your life? There's always two people today that Jesus bled out and died for your sins. And you're like, talk to us. We we want nothing more than that. Maybe you are saved. The majority of you probably are saved. And you look and you say, there's no none of these fruits in my life. I, I know I'm saved. I know where I go when I die. I've even maybe been baptized. I may be even in a Bible study. But I don't exhibit love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And I need to. Well, let's talk about that too. You're going to have a call to the And counselors are specifically stationed up there for you. For opportunities for you. And if God's calling you to something, God's calling you to lay down something or take up something or, or commit to something, I don't know what it is. If God's calling you to that, just go forward and pray with one of us. Talk to one of us. That's what we're here for. Alright, I'm going to pray and then we'll be done. Um, God, I thank you so much for Thank you for what it's been in my life. God, I thank you for what, um, yeah, God, I just, um, I know it's it's sharp. It feels like it hurts. Lord, I just pray that we would not grow weary in well-doing. We would not, um, we would not let the flesh enough. I pray that as we leave here today and as we go continue to have in mind that the fruits given us are only good. God, I pray that um, we would experience your love, your joy, peace, all of this. And then we would we would show others the same. Just pray that if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, anyone in here who isn't blood-bought, couldn't leave here today without talking to somebody. God, I just pray no one here dies and busts hell wide open. God, I pray that they would know that today and that they would follow and walk in you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Dylan, can you go to the, the meme? Is it on there? I missed the meme. I put a meme in